think back to the last time you ordered a cup of coffee. Or maybe it was a takeaway meal. The cashier asked you, can I have a name for the order? And you always give your first name. To me, this seems a little rude. I don't know these people, and I'm paying for a service. Why are we pretending that we're familiar with one another? If you think back to when you first met your current spouse, or maybe your girlfriend or boyfriend's parents, you probably didn't straight away call them by their first names. It's because you show a level of respect to people you don't know, especially if you're paying for a service. In English, we don't have a second person familiar, although most languages do. We used to, though. We used to have a word called thou. And today, I want to talk about bringing back thou, that second person familiar that I know and love, and hopefully by the end of today, you will too. Before we can get into the intricacies of thou, I think we need to start off by defining a few things. First, what is a personal pronoun? I'm going to be a little bit of a grammatical Nazi here for you, but I do want to make sure I explain all these things. Personal pronouns are pronouns that we use to talk about people or ourselves. In English, our first person pronouns in singular is I. First person meaning it is me, it is I who is telling the story. Therefore, I is the first person singular pronoun. If I am involved with somebody else and I am telling the story alongside someone, that first person plural is we. So that means I plus one or more people. That becomes we, first person, plural. Second person in English, we have you. That means I'm speaking to one individual or multiple individuals, but I'm speaking directly to them. In English, we currently only have one for both singular and plural, and that is the word you. Third person means I'm speaking about somebody, whether that's one individual person, the singular being he, she, it, and one, or I'm speaking about multiple persons, where we use the pronoun they. In English, as I mentioned, we only have you for second person. If I'm talking to one individual directly, I say, you should do this. You know this. We used to have a different one. We would have thou, which was singular or familiar, and you, which would be plural and or formal. A lot of other languages have what we call the TV distinction. And this comes from the Latin tu and vos, which is the T and the V. What this basically says is not only for singular versus plural, if I'm talking to one person in Latin, I would say tu. If I'm speaking to multiple people, I would say vos. In French, it would be like tu versus vous. In Spanish, tu versus vosotros, or usted, if you're not in Spain. Uh, du in German versus z. Uh, and then we have a voce uh, versus two if we were speaking in Portuguese. So in Old English, we had thu, which was the, th the letter thorn and a u, which was our second person singular for both formal and informal context. So the formal portion versus familiar comes into play when we'll take French as an example. Inside the family or amongst friends, when speaking to one individual, to is used because that is not only singular but it's also familiar. So you would use to or this familiar pronoun when speaking to family members, people younger than you are, or uh, people at a lower social status than you. In contrast, the plural vu or in English you 
would be used when speaking with multiple people or as a sign of respect. So children would use this when speaking to adults. Uh, adults would use this to other adults they don't know. And we would also use it again in a more formal setting. So you would uh, use vu when speaking with your boss. Following the Norman Conquest, Middle English continued to use the word thou, which thou then became thou, at first. But then uh, Norman French influence led to the use of a ye uh, rather than thou. So early modern English, uh, people addressed each other as ye in the nominative and then you in the objective. So thou and thee were used for familiars and subordinates. If that's a little bit confusing, let me try to break it down for you. Let's go back to 13th century, and we're going to pretend that I am of royalty or I'm an aristocrat. Others would refer to me as thee or you, or ye or you. And I would refer to my friends or my servants as thou and thee. Okay, so the nominative form would be thou for familiar, and then ye or you for the formal. In the oblique or the direct object would be thee and then you. So um, get you your, or get you your uh, weapons ready or get thee thy weapons ready. In the genitive case, we would use thy or thine and then your. So along with thou, we would use thou nominative, thee for the direct object. And then in the genitive, we would use thy or thine. Thy would be for most nouns. Thine would be if the, uh, the following noun begins with a vowel. For possessive, we would also use thine as well as yours for formal. And then ye finally just morphed into you for uh, the formula singular and plural. So how does that kind of uh, change to where we were, where we are now to where we were before? So if I am meeting a new person, we'll say I'm courting a young lady. Uh, due to a uh, gender-based language and societal differences in the way language used to be, I would refer to the young lady using the familiar, whereas she would use more of the formal when speaking to me. So I would say, you know, uh, hast thou yet dined? If I want to know if she has yet eaten. And uh, we would conjugate the second person familiar thou um, pretty much like we do now, however, typically it ends in EST for both past and present. And then future tense, we just add instead of will, we use wilt. So again, hast instead of uh, have. So hast thou yet eaten? And uh, she'll say, I have not. And then willst thou accompany me to dinner? And that way, it's more of a familiar thing. Now, as she and I get to know each other a little bit better, she can use the familiar with me as well. We'll look at it as I'm meeting her parents. I would say uh, to you know, Mr. Smith, for example, um, how are you, sir? And because he's older than I, he may use the familiar with me. Um, I am well, how art thou? I could say I am also well, thank you. And I would continue to use the you form with him because I want to show that respect. If we try to equate it to today's language, it would be, thank you, Mr. Smith, and continue to use that formal address, that title of Mr. 
Now, being an unmarried man, he could refer to me as master, but that typically only goes to about the age of 16, and we really don't use that title any longer. On the other hand, what we do see in a lot of culture in the U.S. anyway, is since we don't have that second person familiar, when we do refer to people as Mr. or whatever with their title, we'll say, no, that's okay, you can call me John, if that's his name. So if Mr. John Smith is my girlfriend's father, and I always refer to him as Mr. Smith, the day will arise when he says, you can call me John. And I'll say, thanks, John, how are you? And that's kind of that bonding moment that we've made where we've switched from the formal to the familiar. Now, other languages have a specific verb for using this. In French, it's called tutoyer. And to tutoyer someone is the opposite of vous voyez, uh, which basically means we can now speak in the informal or the familiar context. So if I were to meet somebody in French, and uh, I apologize if you don't understand French, but that's okay. Um, upon first meeting someone, I would say, oh, Bonjour, monsieur. Uh, Est-ce que vous voudriez uh, me laisser sortir avec uh, votre fille? And he would say, Oh, no, 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 no. Tu peux me tutoyer. You can use the familiar when speaking with me. And then at that point, I would cease to use the formal and switch to the familiar. And that's a big deal because what he is saying in that point is there's no need to be formal. We are friends, we're family, we know each other on a personal level. And it's a sort of a, a celebration because now I've reached the point in that amity and that friendship or that relationship where I don't have to be as formal. So again, that's kind of a Mr. Smith, that's okay, you can call me John, or Mr. Smith's my father. And in English, that's not really such a huge to-do, and maybe it is for some, and maybe we do make a, a big thing about it. And even sometimes when people say, you can call me Bob, we still want to say, oh, it's okay, you know, Mr. Johnson. Uh, maybe it's, it's uncomfortable for us to switch to that familiar. But in English, currently, the only familiar we have is not using a title. Now, a lot of places that we tend to go in the public sector, like the coffee shop or the bread place or the sandwich shop, they ask us for our name. And even fast food restaurants are doing this now. And if you ask them, their corporate reasoning for this is to make it feel more familiar and to make it feel like it's a, a family and we're all friends. And I don't really like that at all. Because to me, if I go visit my family, they're not going to charge me for a burger and french fries. Uh, if I'm paying for the service, I expect to be treated with respect. I'm a customer. They should use the word sir. They should call me Mr. Weston. And how are you doing today, sir? Don't call me by my first name. That's my given name. That's reserved for people. So going back to thou, this is what we used to use. And I think we need to bring it back because just like nearly every language in existence, there should be a difference between familiar and formal because we have situations where we first meet someone and we don't know them that well. And it kind of becomes that defining point where let's say I meet um, a new person that is around my age, but I don't know them. Uh, maybe we meet in a work setting or um, a place I tend to go often. 
I would use the term sir, but we'll go ahead and use the word you as in formal. And I would say, how are you today? And they would say, I am fine. How are you? And then I could, I continue to go back to the same place. We'll say it's a coffee shop. And as I start to get to know that barista, that time is going to arise when that barista says to me, or I say to that barista, that's okay. You can use thou with me. And the next time I come in, I can go and say, hey, how art thou? I am well, how art thou? And I am also well, thank you. And we don't have to be so formal. That's a celebration. But you don't walk into a coffee shop now and someone comes up to you and say, Mr. Jones, how are you? Just fine, Mr. Smith, how are you? We don't do that. Uh, we say, can I get a name for the order? Sure, the name's Paul. Paul, your order's ready. And to me, that's just saying that we've just skipped into this familiar sense where it doesn't belong. We don't know each other. I don't know your name. I don't know anything about your family or I, I know nothing about you other than you've made my cup of coffee. And I don't think that that is enough info to say that we're familiar with one another. Now the time will quickly arise that we do become familiar. Maybe you remember my drink. Maybe we are we do become on a first name basis. Maybe we've had a cup of coffee ourselves then yes, by all means, please, let's use the familiar. Call me by my name. Use thou. But until that time arises, I think it's necessary that we use you. We need to be more formal with people. So if we are going to adopt thou, we need to learn how to use it properly. I briefly mentioned before about the conjugation. And fortunately, we don't have a whole lot of irregularities in English when it comes to verb conjugations. So typically, as I mentioned, we're going to add st or est to the verb itself in the infinitive. The infinitive form is going to be to plus the verb. So for example, to eat. To eat is the infinitive. First person singular is I eat. Second person familiar, thou eatst or thou eatest. Third person singular, he, she, it, one eats. First person plural, we eat. Second person plural, you eat. Third person plural, they eat. We can also say uh, to have. So first person singular, I have. And this one's a little irregular. So second person familiar or singular would be thou hast. And then third person singular would be he, she, it, one hath instead of has. But again, that's just more the archaic term, so we can still stick with has. And then we have, you plural, has, they have. Or you have, they have. So again, we can uh, see that the, the minor change is thou hast. And then in uh, past tense, we can take, um, we'll take the verb um, gone or went to go. So I went. Thou hast gone, we can do that. You have gone. Um, again, we're going to conjugate it basically the same. We're just going to add the ST to the end. So I think we can understand that. Uh, the future tense, will, becomes wilt. So um, I will go, thou wilt go. Uh, he, she, it, one will go. We will go, they will go, you will go. Or they, uh, they will go. So again, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's very straightforward. Some irregularities, but that's okay. We don't have to be that nitpicky. So now I think we understand a little bit more about thou, let's delve into the third person because this seems to uh, get a little fuzzy for people. Now, 
being based in the United States and having the majority of my listeners in the United States, uh, this could be a very sensitive topic. But um, I'm going to speak more about the English language in general, not so much U.S. English, because you can find, one will find, that the English language, uh, aside from the U.S. Ver variant of it, shares a lot of commonalities. It's just the United States variant of English that has so many of these different rules that kind of break the mold. So uh, I'll focus more on international English, but when we get to the third person, he, she, it, and one, the word he is masculine singular as well as neuter. So it's neutral. It's for things that uh, don't have a sex. We will use he. She is feminine singular. So if we were to say um, we're talking about Bob, who is a man, we will say um, if Bob is tall, I will say he is tall. And that makes perfect sense. If I'm talking about Susan, who is a woman, I will say she is tall. If I'm talking about a desk and I, you know, the desk is neither masculine nor feminine, I would use he because he is the neutral pronoun. So I will say, um, have you seen that desk? Uh, he is very long. Now that makes no sense to us in modern day English because in the 17th century, it started to arrive. And we started using it for that third person uh, neutral. So if we didn't know the sex or we didn't have a sex, we would use it. So have you seen that desk? It is huge. Have you seen the dog? It has sharp teeth. Now, dogs have gender ascribed to them. It could be a male dog or a female dog, but we may not know that. We maybe didn't get that close to the dog to take a look. So we can use it, and that's acceptable. Um, and I'm okay with using it for a lot of things. There's a great book called A Child Called It, and it is great as a neutral pronoun. And I'm perfectly acceptable. <laughs> it's perfectly acceptable to use that, and I'm all right with it. So he for masculine, she for feminine, it would be great for neutral. Where we have the possessive pronoun or the direct object, that's where I think we have some problems. Because he has his, she has her or hers, and then it doesn't have its own. Neither does the word one. Now one is the generic usage for third person. A lot of times people want to use the word you in this capacity. If I were to say that it is better that people don't chew gum or, and uh, drink coffee at the same time, why, I don't know, it just popped in my head. We shouldn't say, one should not say, you shouldn't drink coffee and chew gum at the same time, unless the individual is speaking to a specific person. If one is speaking abstractly, meaning people in general should not chew gum and drink coffee simultaneously, this is when we utilize the pronoun one. One should not chew gum and drink coffee at the same time. That is where we utilize the pronoun one. Now the problem arises that aside from the fact people want to constantly and consistently use the word you at that capacity, we do want to use one because we want to keep it third person, which again is abstract, not a specific individual, however people in general. One should not chew gum whilst drinking coffee. 
Well, what if we want to make a possessive in there? This is where the problem lies in U.S. English. In United States English, it is said that one should put his or her. Um, one should be careful whilst drinking his or her coffee. Uh, this is completely asinine and has way too many uh, possessive pronouns in it. So the actual grammatical rule here is the possessive pronoun follows the sex of the speaker. Plain and simple. Because I am a man and I am the author of this sentence, I will use the masculine singular possessive pronoun. So, one should take heed whilst drinking his coffee is perfectly acceptable. His coffee in this instance means one in general, anybody, whether that person is a man or a woman. If I were a woman, I would say that sentence, one should be careful whilst drinking her coffee. And that her means both his and hers. It's the same. It just follows the sex or the gender of the speaker, of the author. It's not saying that um, when I'm speaking because I'm a man, I am leaving out women. It just means it's all inclusive. It's, a, it's an inclusive possessive pronoun. In the same way that man means mankind, um, a lot of people feel that this, is, uh, this isn't right. It's not to tend to be used. But you have to understand that nearly every language does this. The masculine is both for masculine and neutral, or if it's a combination of both men and women. We, we remember this in both Spanish and French and Italian, any Latin-based Romance language, even in German, Germanic languages. So if we're going back to French 101 or Spanish 101 here, um, if we take um, his or hers, if it's only women, if it's just a woman, we use the, you know, the feminine um, pronoun. If it's just men, we use the masculine pronoun. If it's plural and there's at least one man, we use the masculine pronoun. And if it's uh, all women, we use the feminine pronoun for plural. And this makes perfect sense to us and we don't feel a reason to uh, change it. But it seems when we go to English, we have a problem. And there doesn't need to be. This is actually incredibly simple. And I don't understand why there's such a, a big to-do about it. So if I want to say... Um, since the dawn of man, that means since the dawn of mankind, not just members of the male persuasion in general. But since the dawn have, of man, one has felt his needs are to uh, continue on earth or find sustenance to survive. So again, we are keeping things in the singular. And we're using masculine again because I'm masculine. I'm a man. Therefore, we continue on with that. So again, it's not saying that it's anything sexist or that I'm being biased against the sex. It just so happens that I am a man. So therefore, I use the masculine pronoun. So I think, again, the big takeaway here is when we have, we have strict rules about first person, second, and third. First person tends to not be a big deal, aside from the we versus us, but we'll get into that at another time. But the second person is where I have the big to-do, where we need to separate the singular from the plural and the familiar from the formal. A lot of cultures inside the United States do this. In uh, the southern United States, for example, you'll hear things like y'all or you all. 
and that means that we want you plural. We're not speaking to just one person. And this is again another instance where thou versus you comes in quite handy. So we'll say, for example, that I am sitting with three friends, and I want to see if one of my friends needs a ride home. Now I could look to that person and specifically look to him or her in the eye and say, do you need a ride home? And other people would probably infer that because I'm looking directly at that individual, I mean just that individual. But let's say I have a large car with plenty of seating and I want to offer to give every person with me a ride home. Well, how would I say that? Would I say, does anybody need a ride home? I could. And I guess that would make sense. If I say, do you need a ride home? People say, who, me or whom? Well, if I had thou, I could look at somebody, dost thou need a ride home? And I could say yes or no. Or if I'm working and I talk to a couple people and I say, hey, what are you doing tonight? Well, do I mean both of them or just one? Maybe there are two people standing there, one of which I'm familiar, the other I don't know. So maybe I don't want to hear about what the person I don't know is doing tonight. I can look over at the one and say, you know, um, what art thou doing this evening? And I can speak to just that one person. Whereas if I say, what are you doing? They both know that I mean the both of them. Having that distinction between thou and you, the singular and the plural, the familiar and the formal is key. Finally, the third thing is looking back and understanding that he she, it, and one are all acceptable pronouns, and they all have a time to be used. He, of course, is for masculine, she for feminine. It will use for neutral, and one will be for abstract. When we're using the possessive pronoun, his means both masculine as well as general. Her means both or feminine and general. It's can work. Uh, the desk supports itself on its legs. We can certainly use that. But when we get to one, that's where we don't where we need to use he or she. So we wouldn't say one can survive on his own. That's perfectly fine. One can survive on her own. Sure thing. One can survive on its own. That doesn't make any sense. We take the gender of the speaker. Now, some people will use ones for that. One can survive on one's own. And that tends to sound a little arrogant, <clears throat> but that's okay if you want to use that. Um, but don't say his or her. That's just a waste of time in syllables. That's all I wanted to talk about today was uh, bringing back Thorn and the word thou. If you want some more information about how Thorn looks, if you've never seen it, check out the website. Feel free to go in, make some comments on anything you've heard today or any of the other podcasts. You can hit that, that website at mechzalbi.com. That's M-E-C-Z-A-R-B-I.com.